On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about your money. Apparently, a lot of people saving a lot of money because of COVID. Are you? Uh, And Don Robertson joins us as he does every Monday night. We've got lots of stuff to talk about, including the end of sports. Yeah, it seems to be odd that it's coming to an end right now. And drafting players you can't watch and all kinds of other stuff. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. There are stats and there are numbers and there are polls and there are surveys and they can all be very, very, very beautiful things that give us deep insight into what's going on. Uh, Or they can confuse the heck out of you. (laughs) What we're going to talk about today, it may be a little bit of the latter. Hopefully we clarify some stuff, but the reason I say that is because sometimes you will get polls that seem to conflict with each other or that seem to not make a lot of sense when you put them with other polls or surveys or numbers. Let me give you an example. There are a number of new polls that are out right now, very recent, within the last little while, that say people in Canada have been saving 28.2% of their disposable income in the past quarter, past financial quarter. 28.2% of their disposable income. It's a lot. And that is so much that it's up from 7.6% the quarter before. It's a lot of difference in how much of our disposable income on average people are saving in this country. And you can probably understand why there are fewer places to spend it, but there's also probably concern, which is causing us to do this. That sounds like good news, right? Well, let's start there because there is a, a, a little but But that'll come later. We'll get to that in a second. First of all, let me bring in Don Fox. He is a financial planner with Investors Group. You probably know him even better, unless you're a client, as co-host of Planning Your Financial Future, which you can hear Saturdays at 8 o'clock here at 900 CHML. Don, thanks for doing this today. Hello, Don. Have we got Don? Something's happening there. All right. Ben, you want to... um, See if we can call back and maybe uh, maybe try that. I think I think the phone may have fallen <laughs> down a well. <laughs> but yes, there is the, these polls are now saying that we have this vast increase in saving of our disposable income. As I say, twenty eight point two percent. Now I don't know if that fits with what you believe you're doing. I don't know if you feel like you're being able to save almost a third of your disposable income in the last quarter which is up from almost nothing. I mean, we were under 10% before, 7.6%, closer to, well, around 5%, halfway. Um, Not very much money was being saved before. This would sound like it is very, very good news. And I'll tell you what the but was going to be. We're going to get to it in a bit, and we will dive into it. The but is, though, people, despite the fact that they're saving all this money, are apparently feeling even more stressed about their finances than they were before they were saving this money, which seems to be a bit of a unexpected twist. Don is now joining us. Don Fox, how are you this evening? Doing great, Scott. How about yourself? Excellent. Thank you for joining us. When I hear numbers for people saving money that they are now their disposable income, 28.2% of their disposable income is being saved in the last quarter compared to 7.6%. That sounds on its face like it should be really good news, is it? Yeah, to are you still there? All right. We we are having Don Fox cellular device problems today. But anyway, I continue on with my story. We'll get to Don in a second. When you 
have all this money that is being tucked away that we feel good about, you would think that people are now going to be more comfortable. I've got some money stashed away. I've got a little bit of savings, but apparently people are feeling, well, a large number of people anyway in this country are feeling much, much, much more nervous, anxious, concerned about their finances. And it does raise a question of how is it that you can stash away money and have a nest egg now of sorts for when the bad times come and still feel so anxious about what's going on. Now, of course, there are some things that are very obvious with that. If you're someone who is in a unstable job, of course, you're probably going to feel more anxious, even if you've been tucking money away. But that's not who necessarily we're talking about because the numbers are saying people who have who would describe themselves as being financially pretty good are many of the ones who say they are also feeling very nervous right now. That, to me is a little bit stunning. And that says something about something. That says something about our economy or something about our fears, whether legitimate or unfounded. But if you've got people who are able to put money aside, so they have some money in the bank so that presumably you could cover your bills for some time and you're still scared. All right, let's try again. Don Fox from Planning Your Financial Future joins us again. Don, how are you? I have no issues. All right. Excellent. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. So let me go back to this. We've got people who apparently last quarter saving 28.2% of their disposable income up from 7.6. Is that good news? It is generally speaking, pretty good news on the face because we were in the highest debt situation per capita than any first world country, if you will. So it was about time Canada could uh, put a few dollars away for a rainy day. And that's basically what they're doing. Um, when people get scared, and I'm not sure where I dropped off when I last talked, but when people do get kind of the fear of the unknown or about their job situation, they start to pay down debt and maybe pad their bank accounts. And that's always a good thing. Well, it, it also seems to show, I would think, if I'm interpreting this correctly, how much that we spend that we could do without, does it not? <laughs> that's for sure. There, there goes the trip to Europe fund or the Florida fund or the Disney World fund or um, the restaurant bills that you may have been doing, and not to mention uh, just your, you know, your, the transportation costs to get back and forth from work that are non-existent for a lot of people right now. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Talking with Don Fox from co-host of Planning Your Financial Future that you can hear every Saturday morning here on CHML about some numbers that are out showing Canadians are saving way, way, way more money than they were before. And just before the break, Don, um, we were saying that it, it has really shown what are some of the things that you, we can do without. If we can suddenly save this much money, that means there were some there was some fat in our financial diet. How long, though, as, as someone who works with people, how long have you been preaching this to your clients to say, no, no, you actually have money there you can save if you really want to? It's amazing how it took a pandemic to find this for sure, right? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's... Uh, there, there was always funds, and, and people just made a, a, a full switch of lifestyle. And not because they wanted to, because they had no choice in a lot of cases, because they can't travel, and uh, a lot of, they don't feel safe in maybe going to restaurants. And quite often, a lot of their offices aren't clo- are, are now closed. They're working virtually. So we added up, and it was, 
inadvertent savings for a lot of people. It's not like some of them were trying to save. It just happens because they have no place to spend it. Um, but you get the opposite end of that number, and you say somebody in the restaurant business or anywhere that, you know, there's a lot of people involved, and they finally got, em- they got employed during the summer, and maybe they're trying to save for, you know, there's the unknown in the fall. What's going to happen to these restaurants once the patios are closed? So there's those people also that are probably banking as much as they can just in case they're unemployed for a, a month or two or three. Who knows? Well, some, once upon a time, and in the last couple of months, I remember talking to someone on this show, and it was about habits. And I think the day the number was like 66 days or something, 61, 66, that when you do something for that long, it becomes a habit. We're way past that now for a lot of people with this. Well, do you think actually, this is I going to stick? We uh, discuss this on our show on Saturday about habits. And that range, depending on how simple the habit is, and it can range from about 54 days up to over 250 days. But you're right. Um, to the most part, we're well into it. Or, you know, we're, what, about eight months into yeah. this new paradigm shift. And it's uh, when, when the world turns back again, what will it look like then? And, and uh, it was interesting. We just had a recently went, uh, virtual seminar with Dr. Jeremy Siegel out of Wharton University, and he talked about how things will come back. And one of those was, yeah, there's a big demand for leisure travel to come back. So uh, some of those savings might go right back into that. But then, uh, you know, business travel may be tailored way back in the future. Do you, well, it raises an interesting question is, do we want this to stick as a habit? Because if we, if all of a sudden everybody has become a, you know, real tight with their money, that's a lot of money that doesn't help people in the economy, theaters and restaurants and all these other areas. Do we want this to be a thing that everybody has become now a new habit with? Well, I, I'm a big fan of the Thai cats. And I really hope not, because <laughs> I, I love to go to the Ticat games, and that has been part of my lifestyle for, I'm a season ticket holder for 20 years plus. And, you know, that it will be nothing for me to go right back and enjoy those things, and whether it's going to a movie. And it really isn't a good thing just to enjoy life in general. It's, it's a step back from, from lifestyle. And all these things are they all add up to a better life because you get more enjoyment out of doing certain things. But you will maybe find certain things that you were spending money on that really the unit of enjoyment wasn't that high, and you're just doing it because eh, it was kind of there. And you may step back and think, you know what, I did pretty good without that, and I, I really didn't miss it. Are people that you deal with who are now not spending as much, are they investing this money, or are they simply stashing it away for a rainy day? <laughs> Well, kind of both worlds, actually, Scott. We are having people say, you know what, it's a good time to top up that tax-free savings account, which I can't deny it's a fantastic time to do that and make up for, you know, room that they hadn't been utilizing. And you're also finding, depending on their occupation, you know, if they had debt, they're paying down credit card debt and line of credit debt. Not, not as much mortgage debt as much because you're seeing mortgage rates you know, on renewal are getting down to under 2% for a five-year mortgage right now. So you're seeing some of the higher interest debts getting paid down and investment opportunities, but then there's others that are simply just leaving money in the bank, not sure what to do, and they really should seek some financial advice, that's for sure, because to have it sitting there at 0%, 
isn't isn't a, isn't a good way to have your money either. So it's costing you money because inflation is running around say two percent. So it's it's actually worth less a year later. Um, we don't have a lot of time, but the the, the flip side of this. So I, I expected when I saw this number, I thought, okay, great. We've now got, now got a lot of people who are not wasting as much money. They have a little money put aside, so they may have a little bit of a cushion, so they feel better. And yet seven out of 10, there was another poll that says seven out of 10 Canadians who describe themselves as financially comfortable. These are not the ones apparently who are worried every single day about their job going. They are feeling pretty good about stuff. Say they spend at least part of every day worrying about their finances. I, I was I was very surprised by that. Is it, it does that make sense to you? Does that sound like a number that would be real? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I I suspect uh, right now because of so much uncertainty, there's an anxiousness in the air in general. Which which way are interest rates going? Will they run out of money? Is always the biggest fear. And and right now with interest rates are super low, and they've got money in guaranteed investments earning. You know, maybe a five-year GIC was making three percent. It's going to come up for renewal at one point two percent. This is wow. That's that's not going to do too much for me. And then they're worried about the stock market because you know what about this new election? What about you know the U.S. election? And when will there be a vaccine? There's so many ifs and whens and questions out there right now that it just leaves an air of anxiousness, which always ends up trickling down to money worries. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, at the same time, if you are comfortable. And you do have a well planned out, you know, well a, a good financial plan um, in front of you. You know, stick to the plan, and I'm sure everything will work out fine. But if you're if you're not so sure, it's certainly wise to seek a second opinion because I'm finding most of my clients are saying, "Well, it's just good to talk to somebody, and it's good to reaffirm that I'm I'm doing okay," and they just feel better about it because certainly the news on the different media sites is not so rosy, and it does make people mm. feel anxious in general. Don Fox, you can hear him Saturday mornings here on CHML. Appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. Anytime, Scott. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in Don Robertson, as I say, owner and operator of ComChoice Realty and of the Dundas Real McCoys and um, so many other things around the Valley Town. Sir, how are you this evening? I'm very well, Scott. How are you? Well, I'm, you know, all things considered, everything could be worse, but things are okay. You know, someone said to me today, I said, how are you doing? He goes, no complaints. And I said, really? No complaints? Or you just figure no one's going to listen? So, and that, that, that seems to be the answer for most people, right? Yeah, it is. That's right. It's, it's not normal, but uh, who knows what normal will be when it's supposed to be normal again. Maybe this Exactly. Exactly. And I will say this, by the way, and I think I've told you this before, and I think a lot of people have probably figured this out. I was driving out of Dundas the other day, and I must say, I know you've talked about this before, uh, that sign of your giant person standing overlooking the road as you pull out of Dundas, my goodness, I get nightmares every time I see that now. It's just this gigantic Don Robertson peering down as you leave the town. It's... um. It, it haunts my dreams, Don, that, that you picked the perfect spot that you cannot be ignored. I think it's, it haunts me too, Scott. Um, <laughs> I, some, sometimes I think it's so people won't come back to Dundas, but or they, at least they won't take that route again. <laughs> you should dress it up for Halloween. Get them to do a, a costume on you for Halloween. Oh, yeah, that'll be a really good idea. Well, like a pumpkin? Well, I was thinking like a French maid. 
You, you know, it's almost time for you to get out of your basement. <laughs> I was just trying to think of what would be truly horrifying, and that would probably be it. Yeah, that, that'd be, that, you know, that, maybe I could just have a picture of myself climbing out of a hot tub. That'd be cute. <laughs> you know, with a pumpkin. Um, <laughs> and I, anyway, we'll leave that one there. We'll leave that for people to imagine. Um you know, maybe what we could do is you, you could put up the Velcro on the board and people could just stick stuff on there, the costume they would want for you to, uh, to, uh, to have anyway, there would, just, there would be many take Lee in that. I'm sure. Uh, Don, you know what dawned on me, pardon the, uh, the, the double up there, but uh, what dawned on me the other day is we are at a point right now when we should be just about to get into the busiest or one of the busiest parts of the sports year, when hockey should just be starting, the NHL should just be going, the OHL should just be getting going, basketball should just be starting. We're about to finish everything. We're, we're within a few days. We are going to have no sports again, just like we did for an awful lot of the summer. It's going to be very strange this time to be into that drought all over again. Well, yes, and we should be gearing up for the World Series, which is still ongoing, although yes, does but perhaps I'm wrong. The NFL is, uh, as you and I have talked about here, uh, going to struggle with the uh, with uh, the COVID stuff because of the sheer numbers that they're dealing with and moving around. But you're right. If you if somebody had slipped into a coma in March and woke up now, they would be pretty confused as to why the Stanley Cup was just handed out and the NBA finish is just finishing up. It would be an interesting time warp to come out of. And the ironic part about this, and not that sports has it as their responsibility per se, but if the bubble had been created so that hockey and basketball got started now, I was thinking how much more helpful that would have been because in the summertime when people were able to be outside and be in the open air and not close to each other, you know, that we were looking after kind of ourselves. Now that the numbers are going up, we, we would want something that would make you want to stay inside and mind your business and, and stay with your own people. And, and right at a time when that could be so helpful is when it ends. It, it just, the timing of it just didn't work out very well. No, and it's and it's not going to change anytime soon. And I think the NHL and the NBA uh, don't plan, or certainly don't want to come back and play in front of no fans. And with what's going on in the U.S., I don't see fans coming out to, unless they just blow it off and say everybody can come and take your chances. I mean, that's kind of how they're running it down there anyway. I mean, I know our numbers are up. Um, and I haven't done the arithmetic today, but for the most part, I don't know if the percentages uh, of positive tests versus tests are up that much. And uh, you certainly don't want to sound like Donald Trump, but he I remember him saying, I told my people, cut back on the testing so we don't get so many positive tests. Well, you know, we're, we're testing a lot of people in Ontario, but that said, we were also testing 40,000 people in uh in August and we didn't have these numbers. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one. And as I say, I think sports could have, and, and I don't blame them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting the blame on the leagues, but it could have been really useful now to get started because uh, you know, I, I think that it, it had an impact. I think that there were people ratings for everything were down 
but that was because it was also, I think, summertime. And I think people wanted to be outside and wanted to do something besides just being cooped up in their house. But now the weather has turned. I think A, it would have helped. And B, I think that the ratings right now, if you were starting right now, Don, I think ratings would be pretty darn good for a lot of these sports because people, you know, you're going to be inside now. You're going to want to do something besides watching The Office on Netflix for the 17th time. Well, I, I, I don't disagree, but we, I mean, we did talk about it uh, before. And my position as normal is it, it's about the money. And if they just scuttled both those seasons, uh, they have pretty good information and they probably, and look at now, they can't open up, open up with fans. So I think they just picked the devil they knew and said, why don't we get a championship? Because we can't start when we want to start anyway because people can't come to the games. And if they don't have that income, the, uh, the arithmetic doesn't make sense to run the league. I mean, they really can't start till December or January, presuming that they, that they can put fans in then and presuming that, you know, all of our leagues, uh, at least, uh, you know, the Toronto, the, all the NHL and, and uh, the NBA, if the federal government, and they should, maintain a 14-day quarantine for visiting teams. Like, what's the NHL going to do? Have a Canadian division? They may have to. I mean, if they're going to get started, that might be what they have to do. And lucky Raptors, they'll win the Canadian division in the NBA. (laughs) Yeah, the Raptors will do very well. Same with the Jays. They'll have a a strong season this year if they have just a Canadian division. And, And I thought, you know, one of the things that you try to look and you go, okay, if we can't have fans in the seats for, for a long, long time, it seems as though leagues have, have played around a little bit with the idea of a pay-per-view. Can we get someone to, to pay to watch games? I remember with Leafs TV for a while there, there were certain games that were only on Leafs TV with the idea that you subscribe and then you get something as a bonus. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is the year you try something like that, where you put something in place that says, you know, you got to pay five bucks a game. The problem with that, Don, as much as that might replace some of the income from the fans not in the seats is twofold. One, I'm not sure how many people are going to pay it. And two, you lose all the revenue then from your broadcast deal that was there in the first place. So, I mean, there really is no way around or no way to recoup for the loss of those fans. Well, you can't, I mean, Sportsnet, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but Sportsnet thinks they're doing that now, right? I mean, you can buy the NHL package, Right, or you can take whatever's free on Sportsnet, TSN, whatever, whoever has it. And you're right, I do, but I don't think as a one-off they can pull it from those um, from those broadcasters and say, you know what, we're in a bit of trouble here, so we need a year off, and uh, we're, you know everybody's going to have to buy their game, but maybe we'll let them buy you through buy them through you. Sportsnet might say, you know what, we're not all that happy about the billions we gave you, anyways. So why don't we rethink the whole thing? I, boy, that's a tough one to navigate. I certainly hear what you're saying, but boy, uh, that's a, and, and I guess, well, I mean, it costs twice as much to go to a Leaf game or three times as much as it does to go to a Buffalo Sabres game. I don't know how you figure out who's worth what. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I was trying to play around with it and think, okay, is there a way that you can cover or compensate for the lack of fans in the stands in some way? And I just, I, I just don't see it because anything you do 
to try and raise revenue, you're going to cut yourself out somewhere else. So if you charge people for games, you, as I say, you lose then your broadcast rights deal because they're going to say, well, people aren't watching us. You know, we, we can't show lease or something like it. There's just, there, the point is there's just no way around this. You're in a conundrum here that you can't really solve. And so you're right. You have to wait until fans come back in the stands because there comes a certain point, I think for a lot of these teams, Don, especially the ones that don't have big, broad, big um, broadcast, local broadcast deals that th- this is going to be hurting for them. Some of these NHL teams, especially, uh, I don't know how uh, you I, continue to do seasons without fans. Cause you're just going to be losing money hand over fist. Well, I think it continues to get more complicated as well. I mean, it, like, sure. There's the fan component, but I believe Molson's have pouring rates at this uh, Scotiabank Center now, and they'll be paying millions of dollars for that. Well, they're not going to pay anything if a guy's drinking beer at home. They can't control what he's drinking. Coca-Cola, if it's Coke that's in there, I assume it is. You know, whatever whatever the soft drink, all those guys, all those guys that are on rink boards are generally suppliers to uh, MLSE and for basketball and hockey. Like they're not paying for pouring rates if they're not pouring anything. It's yeah, it's, it gets pretty deep, you know. And and they do all right on popcorn. It's one hundred and seventy five dollars for a little bag of popcorn down there. So there's money in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the other thing I started to think about. Okay, so this week. The NHL has a big week this week. Uh, they should do okay with ratings, at least the networks, because tomorrow night is the NHL draft. And then I think it's, it's either Thursday or Friday night is the opening of free agency. Well, those are two two events that do pretty well generally with whoever's showing it. Usually, I guess, Sportsnet would have that mostly, although TSN does their own version of the, of the, of the uh, free agency. Those will be some days that they'll get people to watch. And, and, you know, if I'm, again, if I'm the NHL or if I'm Sportsnet or if I'm TSN, I'm locking myself, my most creative people in a room saying, okay, so we've got these two things. What do we do next week? What can we possibly put together that could be a made for TV something? Because these, these, as I say, these two this week are going to do just fine. They're going to get, I think they're going to get good numbers this week for these non-hockey slash hockey off-ice things. But my goodness, can you come up with something else that would get people to tune in somewhere down the road? We can't do free agency. How about, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know. But boy, oh boy, you got to think that the creative people are pulling their hair out right now, trying to figure out what else can we possibly do. Well, it's and the problem isn't, sure, have a big week this week. But it's not next week or the week after. It's going to be week 16. I mean, they can only show the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup in 1967 so long. It's going to get pretty boring pretty fast. I mean, what live sports other than football that, that now, well, it looks like they're going to play seven days a week with these delays they got. But in essence, outside of football, what's left? The one thing that has surprised me to this point, Don, is that the one thing that I thought I, the one thing I had expected to see from either of the sports networks, especially the, well, I mean, cause they, they have rights to certain things. You can always do, I don't know if you're a big viewer of, of music videos ever. I'm not, but I've seen the show, the pop-up video show before where you have either little facts come up or you can just stick a person's head 
in the corner of the screen and have people talking about what was going on. And I thought, you know what? So you have the, you show the Daryl Sittler game one night, the 10 point game in 1977, 76, whatever year it was. And you have Daryl Sittler just talking about the game while the game is playing. You know what? I bet there'll be people who would watch that to hear his thoughts on what was going on as things were happening and bring in other players. And you can do it by Zoom. You can record it. Um, you know, I, I expected more stuff like that, more Jays games from the past that you would bring in and have Blue Jay players talking over what happened or Raptors games or whatever. And you know what? If you're a fan of the team and you bring back some of those older players and those great moments, I, I believe there would be an audience for that stuff somewhere. But I, and, and the reason I thought that they would do this is because it's so easy to do. But I've seen nothing like well, that. And, and yeah. Well, here's the challenge. I mean, it's an interesting idea, very creative on your part. But TSN and uh, Sportsnet both have five channels. And they have 24-7. They have to do this. Like, that's, I mean, you mentioned the Daryl Sittler game. I mean, his 10-point night was an absolute wonderful piece of hockey. What do you, I mean, your creative guys have got to come up with about two a night. And you can't put the same thing on all five channels. How much of this are you going to do? Like, that's a, that's a, I think the runway is pretty short for the interesting ones. I mean, sure, it'd be nice to have Joe Carter there and watch him belt one out and touch them all, Joe. Well, that, well, all right, so there's two hours. Right, you get 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, the idea is good. I think if you're, but these guys have got weeks and weeks to do this. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no question. But at the same time, it's not, if you've got the rights already, and I'm not sure who holds all the rights to all the old games, you'd have to sort out who, who has that, but the choice between doing one of those where you've just zoom called someone's face in the bottom and you get a reporter or someone, you know, the anchor person, if it's Jay's, you get Jamie Campbell talking with someone or whomever, uh, compared to five channels filled with poker. Um, you know, I, I gotta believe that there are some people who are going to tune into that one. Or, or other things, or, you know, start, if you're on TSR, TSN, start running all the 30 for 30 documentaries one a night for the next little while. They've got years of them now. The, you know, I've just, I've just been amazed at the, so far anyway, if there's not a game on, it seems as though it's a bit of a, you know, I, I mean, I've seen more poker in the last little while than I've seen in a long, long time. Let's put it that way. Well, they got their old fallback big draw darts they can wheel back out again. 140! Yeah, exactly. That's... Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh, no, it's it's, it's going to be a challenge. And the thing is, I and I don't think any of the leagues have talked about... Uh, they've talked about when they'd like to start. But this might be a game changer. I talked to a guy today that knows somebody at the live uh, nation. And they... Someone, not me, and it's always me when you say someone, uh, you know, like Trump saying, everybody is saying, but uh, apparently this rapid test is coming out and it's going to be fairly inexpensive and you can add it to the price of a ticket that will give you an answer if you test positive or not between one and three minutes. And if they can come out with that and they can introduce a vaccine, then live sports may be much closer than we think it is. 
because they're talking about concerts and everything else in, in big venues, but they have to test everybody. You know, if you fail the test, away you go. You're going to have a mask on and you take the test. If you don't make the test, you guess you go to. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're right. I mean, did, did you say, so, did, did you say if they also have a vaccine? Cause I, I would think you could do just the test one. And if, and, and if you pass the test then you're allowed in, I would think. Yeah, I would think so too, but I'm saying in, in concert with vaccine, right. That's going to, that's, that's going to help. That's uh, the premier's been talking about this rapid test as a game changer. Now, what it might also do is find out that there's a lot more people infected than we think there is out there. There's, I mean, we certainly know that there's a lot more people with COVID than, than the numbers are telling us. I mean, just do the math on how many people are testing. and Because the people that got tested last week should be tested again today. But if you can, if you can do something relatively inexpensively, and I'm talking a couple bucks or under five bucks, There'll be people who will say, you know, I'll take the test for five bucks to go see uh, no. the Stones again. If we can get it going, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I have I have pretty much, I'm not going to say I've worked through everything on Netflix. I'm not ridiculous like that. But, uh, you know, what? You, you've gone through a lot of the stuff that you want to go through. And so I think people are really eager to have something else that they can latch onto. And again, if, if, if sports could have got going right now, I think it would have done much, much better TV wise than it did in the summertime. Ratings were way down for a lot of these sports and whether that's because people were outside and didn't want to watch, whether it's because they were upset at the athletes for being very political and they don't want to have politics mixed in with their sports. Some have suggested that, uh, whatever the reason, if you can get it back, um, the sooner the better. Let's put it that way. One thing that might sell is uh, is uh, get those sumo wrestlers jumping into hot tubs and see how much how many windows they can wash in the neighborhood all at once. But, yeah, well, cannonballing sumo wrestlers. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. There's, I mean, there there is always um, there's always ideas, Don. There's always ideas. We, we, you know, just off the 10 meter platform Olympic thing, just the, the sumo wrestlers jumping in and cannonball. Yeah. There's belly flop competitions. I mean, you can find something. There's always something you can throw on TV. If you're creative enough, you're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Don, you have been around hockey for a long time. Not so much in the junior hockey world. Um, but it dawned on me today that uh, we've read that in Toronto, the GTHL, the Minor Hockey Association, has basically stopped for a while. I'm assuming most minor hockey in this area is going to be stopped. How in the world are OHL teams like the Hamilton Bulldogs and others going to draft players next year when they've not seen anybody play? And I, I would extend that to the NHL because I think it's going to be very difficult, but at least with the NHL, you're talking about guys who you've been looking at who are a little bit older, so you have a little more time. Your scouts have seen some of them play, even if they weren't in their draft year. You have an idea, especially in junior hockey. You're talking about drafting kids who you may have last seen play when they were 14 years old, and you have no idea how they're going to grow or develop. How do you do that? You guess. The, uh, the NHL will have a far better handle on it. The, the biggest trick is that their draft year, you know, in, in junior hockey, another year is a big year because they, you kind, you're still a teenager, but you start turning into a young man. 
you know what I mean? And you can get a little better read on uh, toughness and how their skill is developed. So they'll have, it's, it's not going to be as easy without question. The, the OHL, holy cow. I mean, the, the OHL scouts scout minor midgets. They, you know, they'll see the odd major Bantam game, which would this year be minor midgets, but their focus generally is um, on the minor midgets and how they've developed after coming out of Bantam. Like Major Bantam, Connor McDavid, so those guys are easy to pick, but the rest of them, boy, because they're, I mean, they're just, they are young teenagers. I mean, they're just in their teens, right? And that challenge will be monumentous to try and sort out who the LH OHL team should be. Now they're pretty creative. They're scouts. Uh, you know, I know, I know a bunch of guys who have scouted for OHL teams and they've got bird dogs and they've been told, you know, you got to watch this, this, uh, uh, triple a, uh, minor or a major Bantam team play. They got three or four kids that look really good. You should drop by and see them. They've got lots of bird dogs. But boy, they'll really, really have to trust them, and they'll really have to rely on them, and more so than the National Hockey League, because those guys have been going to CHL games for a long time. So well, and Don, by yeah, the and- fact that they're playing in the OHL, they had to have seen them. The OHL guys may not have seen a lot of the minor major Bantam teams. Well, and you made the point, and I think you nailed it too. And that is, if you're watching an OHL team because you're an NHL scout who's looking to draft you're going to see guys of potentially five different age groups, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 year olds. They're all playing in the same league. So you can, even if you're there scouting the 17 or 18 year olds, you're going to see the guys who are younger just by osmosis. If you're an OHL scout, you're watching, as you say, minor midget, you're not going to the Bantam games and they don't play multi-year games. You're watching a particular age group so the amount of time that probably you will have seen the kids a year younger who may not play, that is going to be, I, I, I honestly don't know how they're going to do it. I, I really don't know how they're going to do it unless it's, as you say, you just start asking around to different hockey guys you know and say, who do we take? And you know what will end up happening is that some team that happened to have a guy who was watching Bantam for some reason suddenly they're going to have the greatest draft in the history of drafts because he knows what he's talking about, where the other guys was like, well, we didn't watch anybody. And we're, just, we're just going by field, by guess here. You, you could yeah, potentially have... No, go ahead. The real good OHL scouts are... Um, they're looking a year ahead. I mean, they won't absolutely be totally ignoring the, or the major Bantams, but it will not have been a focus last year. I mean, there'll be... So some of it will be pretty well-educated, based on assessments and everything else. But a lot of it's going to be a crapshoot. You know, I mean, the, the GTHL is shut down um, um, already till January. I got, uh, I sent an email out to our group a week and a half ago and told them the plan, you know, we're looking at January. Let me know, you know, what your plans are, if you, your commitment level and everything. I got two emails today from guys that coach in the GTHL and said, in all probability, be able to commit whenever you start because they're not convinced that the GTHL is going to play at all. So it'll, it'll, actually, it'll actually help uh, probably us and Hamilton and so on because these guys won't be coaching. 
but the but the NH, see the NHL guys, as I mentioned, they will be looking. So when they're making notes of guys in their draft year, they'll also be looking at the seventeen year olds stand out. So they'll have a bit of a book on those real good kids. And you know, I've got to make a note to watch this kid. We really like some of the things he's doing, even at sixteen years old. But more of the seventeen year olds. So they'll be, you know, they'll have a book on a lot of the guys the year before their draft eligible year, but they may have to go by that. I mean, I think we've talked about it. The OHL, um, how are they going to, I mean, the OHL have three U.S. teams. Like they, I, I can't envision that uh, Flint, Saginaw, and Erie are going to play in Flint, Saginaw, and Erie unless they have a three-team U.S. division because you can't quarantine for 14 days. I mean, and well, it's going to make. It, I mean, some, it, somebody said to me, you know, they'll let they'll they'll let the OHL do it. I, I looked at the guy and said they wouldn't let the Blue Jays do it. Yeah, no, they, they won't let the, the OHL, OHL do it. it. They won't let the OHL do no. it. And the thing that it's the thing that is uh, that also stands out to me is this should be, I would think, for a team like the Leafs, for a team like the Canadians, for the big market teams, but, but the Leafs especially because the money they have, you can only spend what you can spend on the salary cap, but there's no salary cap for all your other hockey operation staff. This should be a monumental advantage, you would think, to a team like the Leafs with all the scouts they have and everything else that presumably you would like to believe if you're a Leaf fan that with all the extra bodies they have, that they've been able to scour the world and pay attention to some of these other guys that other teams that have far smaller scouting staffs don't have the time to look at that should give you a real bonus when it comes to the draft. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Start. I mean, they've, they've been using that extra money for five years. How's this working out for them? I mean, other than the obvious, I mean, without Mark Hunter, they don't have Mitch Marner. He won that battle in the boardroom to take Mitch Marner. That was a good play. Austin Matthews, you and I could have drafted, right? Like all, all the money and the resources they've had, they've, that's not new money. They've had that money for four or five years. It's not like they're running away with the Marlies that have got, you know, they are not considered the best stocked um, group of prospects in the National Hockey League. So they might have the money, and, and what you're saying would certainly make sense. There's just no evidence is true. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don, there was an interview with Kyle Dubas, the general manager of the Leafs, who again, the NHL has its draft tomorrow and then free agency opens later in the week. And his comment, one of the comments anyway, was very interesting. And that is he wants his team to be much more difficult to play against. People have interpreted that a number of different ways, but primarily um, less soft. They want it to be a tougher team to have to play against. But how do you do that if you're Kyle Dubas, that you've built this team to be all about puck possession and skill and speed, and then say, but we want to bring in a bunch of guys who will be very, very physical, if you want to interpret it the way that he's saying that, which seems to fly in the face of the style that they're trying to build. It seems like you're now trying to go in two different directions at the same time, or is it doable? I don't think so. I think... uh good for Kyle Dubas because the knock on his team is that they're not hard to play against. Um, Brian Burke's been saying that. Brian Burke is right. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the style that, they're empl- that they've employed the last two or three years hasn't won a playoff round. Didn't even get them in the playoffs this year. So clearly their, their plan to is, you know, stop us if you can. We're going to 
we're faster, we're more skilled, we're going to have the puck more often than you, and if you can get an office to beat us, good luck to you. Well, everybody's doing it. Boston did it because they're harder to play against. Um, there's a lot of teams in the National Hockey League that are much harder to play against. You want to build a hockey team that nobody wants to come into your rink and play against because you're hard to play against. You're a bit mean. I've talked about that before. You don't have to fight, but you got to be mean. You know, you got to be able, you got to be prepared when you take a guy into the boards to give him a little bit of lumber in the ribs so he doesn't want to do that again with you. I don't, I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs have two players that anybody's worried about going in the corner against. But how do you start to change the identity to that when the entire identity of your team has been puck possession, keep the puck, skill, pass, outskill them, out finesse them, unless you decide that you're going to completely abandon that or partially abandon that and say, okay, but we're going to have like two lines of that and then two lines where we hopefully beat the snot out of you or something. I don't know. I mean, I it, it seems to me, as I say, that it, it's a is a tough position for him to be in to say we now acknowledge we want to do this without suggesting that the decision up to this point was wrong, and I'm not sure he believes it was wrong. Well, I don't think he wants to believe it's wrong, but it is wrong. It's been proven to be wrong. So what you do is everybody, like, everybody envies the top six forwards the Toronto Maple Leafs have because they, are, they, they, they ooze with skill. I mean, they are that good, but there isn't anybody that they can throw out there with Austin Matthews every once in a while that somebody's a little bit leery to play against. <clears throat> I mean, they've got to be skilled enough. Like, Semenko would play with Curry and Gretzky. Semenko would get 20 goals, not because he was a 20-goal scorer, because he had extra room and gave Gretzky extra room. Now, those days are gone because they don't scrap anymore. The tinkering they've got to do has got to be in their, in their bottom six. So that's where they can make the additions with guys that got a little bit of sandpaper and can still play the game. They can all skate now. They can all fly in that league. They're all pretty skilled, but they just need more grit. And the change has to come in the bottom six. Can't come in the top six because, you know, those guys have enough talent. Like they just signed Spezza again. Oh, he's a good journeyman hockey player. Could be your fourth line guy playing for 700 grand a year. You know what I mean? But they need two or three more guys. Even if they're veteran guys, they're only going to use for a year or two. Like Matt Martin's like the best example. Who they let go. Who who they gave away. They didn't. But that was Babcock, right? Babcock, Babcock's teams in Detroit didn't fight when, when, when there was still lots of fighting in the National Hockey League. He just said, we're going to be so good, you won't be able to beat us. Well, the league's changed. There's a lot of balance in the league. Anybody can win, but everybody's got to have some balance. They need some mean defensemen, too. That would help them a lot. They can do it on the back end. Get somebody that's not scared to knock somebody's block off every other game, or you're not sure when he's going to do it. And your bottom six. The top six, that they're in with them. They're skilled. You can, you can go with them. But the mixture's got to be there. You can't just switch over to a a real heavy team all of a sudden, but they can start mixing it up a bit. And they de- they decided two years ago they weren't going to do any of that. Well, it didn't work, so now they have to. Yeah, this will be, uh, th- there are going to be some teams this week that are going to be interesting to watch. I don't think, and not just because we're around here, but I don't think there's going to be a more interesting team to watch than the Leafs. Um, 
for two reasons. One is because of what you've just said. I, I think they do recognize they have to change some things, but the other part is money is so tight that changing things is not merely signing someone. It means almost by necessity, you're going to have to make some trades to free up some money or to get some one of those guys in, not just as free agents. So I think, you know, if the Leafs are going to do any of the stuff that Dubas seems to suggest that they have to make these changes, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting week to see, or a couple of weeks, how they do that. Because I, it's not just writing a check anymore with this team. They don't have the space to do that. Well, no, and 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 nobody that they're going to draft tomorrow night is going to fill that role next year. Like so, so if they want to do it, they've got to do it through the free agent market, or they've got to trade. Nobody's going to. You know, nobody they're going to draft is well. I suppose in the later rounds, I was going to say in that first round, the one guy that you would expect might be able to make it because sometimes first rounders will jump in their first year, but he's not going to be a a tough guy. He's going to be a skill guy. If you're going with your fifteenth overall pick, it's going to be a skill player. You would think. You know, we were we were talking about the draft, and, and during the last commercial break, I got a text from my neighbor Colin, whose son is in the uh, minor midget program in Brantford, and he texted me and said, the "Detroit Compuware and all, all all the teams that he's aware of that they used to compete in, in tournaments against in the U.S. are all playing. Like the U.S. hockey hasn't been shut down, and if the U.S. Uh, USHL Junior League is operating." You know, we talked earlier about who's going to see these guys play. If that's the case, you may see a tremendous uptick in American guys getting drafted in mm. in the CHL and in the NHL. Uh, Don, thank you for doing this today. Always appreciate your Mondays. Thanks for taking time. Thanks, Scott. Everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks a lot. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.